What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Okay, motherfucker! What are you looking at, sir? I'm looking at you, miss. I'm not the Zodiac, and if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Decade Project, a very special One Heat Minute productions patreon exclusive podcast where we go back and deep dive on a movies a decade ago because really it takes a decade for something to really get its hooks in you and as much as you might love something at the time it's like does it stick around and is it rewatchable and so today i'm joining my too much movie co-star the legendary rob belushi to talk about a movie that i think is it's so hard to say that it's not my favorite of 2013, a decade ago. It is, of course, Martin Scorsese's absolutely batshit, vibrant, sensational, hilarious, epic about American greed, The Wolf of Wall Street. My name is Jordan Belfort. The year I turned 26, I made $49 million, which really pissed me off because it was three shy of a million a week. We're making a name for ourselves. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. You know what a Fugazi is? Fugazi, it's a fake. Hey, Fugazi, Fugazi, it's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a fairy dust. Was all this legal? Absolutely not. We were making more money than we knew what to do with. We don't work for you, man. Yeah, my money taped to your goose. Technically, you do work for me. What's wrong, Daddy? We're watching you bring it home. Oh, my God. FBI, any kind of booze you might want? No, the Bureau forbids us from drinking. Duh. Ah! So follow me, you good about to go. Ah! I'm doing 500, I'm out of control. Ah! But there's nowhere to go. Ah! How does this actually work? There's a big money sign. They get launched at the time they stick. Yeah. This is their gift, okay? They're built to be thrown like a lawn dart. One, two, three! Stop, okay? Safety first. Safety is, safety is first. We don't want to get a bad reputation. Let's start it. Smoke crack with me, bro. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my god! One of it's the funnest, one of the funniest and funnest movies I think I've ever seen in my life. And this is a movie that, in the decade project, I usually ask like, "What was the reaction at the time?" And then we start talking about like, and now like, how is it? How is it sort of? grown or evolved over 10 years and i genuinely think from the moment that it came out to right now um other than some sort of outlier opinions it was that this thing is unbelievable it is amazingly funny the filmmaking is peerless and i just don't think it has ever diminished in any capacity for me it's only grown uh 
I agree. I mean, I rewatched it again. I rewatched it last year. It's it's a strange movie because I always for like I I know that I love it and I always forget what an absolute bonkers shitball amazing ride it is <laughs> and it it doesn't get any less fun you know nice. I'll tell you a quick story like first reaction this movie came out on Christmas and uh, my mom's side in Chicago like I force everyone to go see a movie every Christmas. And I made us go, of course, see Wolf of Wall Street. And, <laughs> and we took my grandmother, who has who passed in 2021, but she, oh, was, she was my ace. It. Yeah, she was my ace. And it was me and my cousin and my mother and my stepfather all uh, at, at the movie theater in Chicago. And like, you know, the opening kind of... Um, whatever, the, the intro or it's like the Stratton Oakmont thing fades right into the cocaine in the butthole <laughs> i just like lean forward <laughs> and look to my right at my grandmother who was 82 at the time <laughs> and she just looked back at me and like nodded because she loves scorsese and i was like are you okay grandma and she's like <laughs> she watched the whole thing man god bless her it was a weird opening moment though <laughs> She was that, good. That is an experience for she the was ages. Blue chips. Where you look yeah, at yeah. where you look at your 82-year-old grandmother and you think, this movie can so quickly take you from the opening credits to you're out of here. And she's yeah. like, if you can survive Leo doing coke out of a hooker's asshole, you're like, I'm ready. I'm ready. And and as like, you know, as an identified cocaine addict, like. I watched this movie and I'm like, oh my God, I left so much on the table. I was talking, I was talking, I mean, a real piece of shit. Like I was talking to my buddy who is also a cocaine addict about Wolf of Wall Street. He really reminds me of Jordan Belfort. So I'm like texting him like, dude, you are Belfort. Sell me this pen. And he's like, that's us. I'm like, dude, I got as close to that as I could with $350 in my bank account at all times. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, um, but to your point, like it holds up, I, I mean, gangbusters. It, to it's see, so funny. It's so funny. It, it's ridiculous to me. I looked back and I saw, I, I forgot that Leo won for, um, Revenant. Revenant. Yeah. A year later. It's ridiculous. He didn't win for this. No, it's, he out, is, it's out of control. It's absolutely out of control. He's so incredible like he takes a character that is it's you know patrick bateman essentially and yeah. entombs him with even more humanity while being even you know close to psychotic killers patrick bateman is i mean the guy is off his ass good at his best i mean maybe his best ever but everything he does is great and even the deeply now currently as we record this problematic and weird Jonah Hill, like Jonah Hill's performance in this movie is lights out. It is unbelievable. And you just can't even fathom that like this guy who absolutely fantastic and things like super bad and all those things and all the Judd Apatow, like, you know, comedies and all that sort of stuff. He comes in here and the murderers that he's, he's just so everyone in this movie and all the handoffs and just Every, everyone is exquisite, exquisite. It's unbelievable. I mean, the two mo like he did, he's, he's incredible. And like the two moments that I, re that really signified to me that character was when he believes he has more power than the other person and the, how obnoxious and aggravating he is with, uh, Jordan's dad about the yeah. the bill yeah. and then with Brad in the strip tease, like how yeah. he never stops just, you know, exercising this, this nerds, you know, kingdom over him. And, and it, he's so aggravating, <laughs> like bro he's brilliant. And, you know, he make he, he is part of the engine of that whole movie. What kind of hooker takes credit cards? A rich one. Yeah. A rich one. Exactly. <laughs> But there's so many, like, obviously Matthew McConaughey comes in and just, you know, 
drops a gold brick at, at the beginning of the movie and Bernthal is amazing and Margot Robbie incredible yeah. star making performance. I mean just yeah she was just everything like everything she says is gold yeah she walks into the movie and you just firstly are taken with like oh this might be the most beautiful human being that's walking the face of the earth right now but then I, I always measure, I know you do a bit and we we've talked about this sort of stuff before when we've chatted is like the measure of great actor for me, especially an emerging great actor is not when they do a movie by themselves or it's a small movie and you're like, Oh, they're good. They're very good. Movies very accomplished. It's more when you see them go with powerhouses and how do they hold up? Are they, do, do, does the star in the, in the movie like cast a shadow and every moment that she's on screen, like Leo, like wilts. And obviously it's part of the character, so it works, but he just like wilts in her presence. And you're like, oh, she's fantastic. Like she's going toe to toe. She went to see an Australian soap opera called Neighbors, one of the worst shows in the history of the world. It's our answer to, you know, Bold and the Beautiful. It's so bad. Um, and she just walks into a Scorsese movie and just crushes. And you're like, oh shit, she's going to be, the biggest star in the world. And like now in 2023, it's like, oh yeah, she's Barbie. She's going to make a billion. That movie's going to make a billion dollars. She's going to walk away with hundreds of millions. She's going to be like, people are going to call her on her phone and she's going to go no. And just hang the phone up. Like she's just like, there's going to be three people she works with for the rest of her career. Greta Gerwig, probably, you know, Chris Nolan still probably will knock on her door at some point, but like Spielberg, she'll be like, nah, I don't need to do anything with anyone. I'm good. Thanks very much. I'm the biggest star in the world. Yeah, the effect that she had, I mean, Scorsese is masterful in this. And the effect that there's, look, there's, I know other people have probably talked about it at the time, you know, um, but it's very good, fellas, which is, Mm. you know, it's so great. And her effect on that party when she enters mm. is very similar to that effect that Lorraine Bracco has on Henry Hill when she's yeah. yelling at him. Yeah. It, everything stops. And, you know, of course, Donnie's jacking off <laughs> and he's like fully in falling in love with her in front of Kristen Milioti, who's also amazing. When she pulls him out of that limousine, it's yeah. heartbreaking. And then when she leaves that last conjugal moment between them is so sad yeah and like his abuse of her and how she continues to follow him around with the kids and it's it's like the the breathtaking despair of the hole he's dug himself you know ripping up that couch for more blow i mean i know well it sucks (laughs) (laughs) Um, i would have died (laughs) i would have died in in, um, 72 hours i mean these guys are incredible <laughs> i i the, the thought i kept having was like what when i was doing all the coke i could find in chicago i could not show up to wait tables in the morning how the fuck do these guys go into the office like i i don't i couldn't be seen in public i'd look out my window and see people jogging and, and it was the the most it was like nightmare alley to me you know I mean? like, that has nothing to do with anything though but the three the three hours goes by so fast. Scorsese is so fun in w- what he allows the characters to do, where he takes them, the amount of excess he gives it, and like, um, oh, I had one other thought too. I, I, the guy who plays, um, uh, shit, it's Brian Saka. I forget. Uh, it's uh... not Rugrat. I forget his name, but it's like, it's not the sea otter. One of his boys. Oh, Robbie Feinberg, so Pinhead, funny. Pinhead. He, the, the, Brian Sacker plays Robbie Feinberg, Pinhead. Yeah, yeah, so Pinhead. So I got a chance to hang out with him one time. We were playing a game of poker. He's, he's a friend of a friend. And I was just like to tell me all about this. And he was just like, that plane scene that plane orgy this is the one thing that i remember he was just like the lights the bodies it just stunk it stunk so bad (laughs) i was like dude i bet i bet (laughs) great great guy nice guy great a hell of an actor did a great job um but yeah it's 
it, it's kind of like Scorsese's just like twisting Tappy the whole time, you know, yeah. like something changing the color, but it's the, it's a, a, a escalating flavor and it's just so fun. And, and the only other thing that I was thinking of, like in terms of you were talking about how is it viewed today? And I think besides the drugs and sex, which is not as like celebrated as it was in the eighties, you know, it's still an incredible marker on the access of wealth and what we're dealing with right now in the strike and CEOs and the billionaire class in general, like it's just who the victims are, who are the perpetrators, um, the way the system benefits the few. And it's, it's all a game that we play uh, to our detriment. And the other thing I was thinking about is like, this story is very specifically a story of a privileged and entitled, you know, Caucasian class of stockbrokers and that the punishment would probably be gravely different if it, for oh. this type of offense, if it was not a middle-class white dude, you know, son of accountants. And in the end, you, you know, Scorsese makes that point. He's like, I forgot what it was like to go to jail and be rich. Like in this country, money buys everything. So, um, those are just kind of the, the takes the takes I, I, I was thinking of in thinking of then and now. And I mean, I don't think that that's necessarily a different take than what Scorsese was uh, shooting well, the, into the atmosphere or well, blowing the, into the asshole with a coke straw. But uh. <laughs> the one, the one, the one time that uh, the one thing that I guess the take on the movie at the time that was a detractor other than the form and the performances and all that sort of stuff was like Scorsese's buying into this excess and it's glamorizing it to a certain extent. And it's like, have you not seen a Martin Scorsese movie? They don't all end fun. Like he, he deals in rises and falls and it's like, and the thing that maybe stung people is like the fall for this guy wasn't driving around, you know, wide out, wide eyed on Coke, like thinking that he's going to die and that the federal and, you know, the feds are going to come after him and, and investigators are going to get him. It's like, he just drove it all the way until the engine exploded. And then essentially like a cat being thrown out of a 10 story building miraculously lands on his feet and gets to live his life and write this book and go and do personal talks and, you know, get some notoriety at the end of it, because it was just like, that's the culture. The culture still celebrates this unfathomable rich thing. Like everyone has the opportunity to get it. Like anyone, like we're all on an equal egalitarian playing field that you you can do things and this can happen rather than the truth of the matter is, which is like these white collar criminals, like, and especially even the guys that are higher up who can afford these high powered lawyers and sort of stuff, they just deal themselves and bargain themselves out of the real jail time that they deserve for all the crazy shit that they do. And that's just, that's just like, it's very Marty going like, it is what it is, mate. It is what it is. And so this yeah. movie for me, I'm like, now the more that you watch it, yes, the crescendo and the chaos and the debauchery is so funny and it's hilarious. And the way that they, he continues to just not slow down, even when everything is closing in and around him, but it doesn't ever end any less poignantly for me. It's like, it's just, it ends so strong every time. And I'm like, yep, there's no justice in the world for people like this. It, it would be, it would be too trite if he like got locked up, you know, like him marched away in handcuffs. Cause it's not true. And Scorsese is not going to deal with that. He's not going to do that. And nor is Terrence Winter, a brilliant writer. Um, they're not going to, they're not going to make it so rote and bullshit. They're going to do this. That's how they're going to do it. I agree a hundred percent. I'm like, I, Scorsese's fables always work for me. And yeah. you know, the way it ends is like the guy's a sociopath. Yes. And even if you take away everything he loves, which are his kids and his wife, and most of all his money, he's still thinking about himself, but it, it still ends like, you know, 
he's ordering egg noodles and ketchup like <laughs> Henry Hill, you know, and it doesn't end like Nikki and Anthony out in the cornfield and casino. It ends like, uh, you know, Ace in San Diego, still knowing how to pick winners and yeah. still making money. And I think it's something Scorsese shows us over and over again is that this country is rotten. <laughs> and and what attracts us to that rot is the appearance of never-ending opportunity which these people touch on it's that catholic sin thing it always completely corrupts them and ends up being their downfall which um is a delight to watch when it isn't your own life and you know to your point which i think is a fucking awesome one Blake, which is like the myth of the, the, I think people who misunderstand this movie, it's the same as like uh, Eli Musk's, Elon Musk, Eli, Elon Musk, like advocates and crypto bros on Twitter, or people who like bow down to billionaires. They're just like, it's a myth that they can believe in that makes them feel like one day their fantasy will come true. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not available to a lot of people. And, and it's like, also it's the, it's the same behavior of like, you know, we see it in pop culture commentary a lot where people like defend multi billion dollar companies about the trash art that they put out their advertisements that are there to sell toys and games and bullshit. And people like defend them to the hill and you're like, they don't need you. They don't need your help. You paid the no. money. They don't need you to be on a soapbox. They don't give a shit if you're there or if you're not there. They don't care if you like it or if you don't like it. If you bought it, you lost. It's over. It, it doesn't make you one of them. No. To be bootlicking. You're, you're not on their the team. Bosses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they, they feel about you the way Jordan feels about the people he's on the phone with, with his tele, you know, telephone <laughs> terrorists. You stay on the phone this, this, <laughs> until he buys or dies. dies. I, it's like that's that the that's their it. life is worth nothing. Their life is a sale. And yes. um I, I, I don't I had another I thought, but I, I just lost it th- listening to you. You're you're better than I am. But um, let, you know, let's 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 dive into some scenes because when you said that, I was like, this movie is so full. Like I you just scroll down, you just scroll down the IMDB. It's fucking unbelievable. And I just want to say, like, really also Spike Jones as his boss ah. in the penny is it's got the greatest line delivery in the whole movie. <laughs> and I would, I, I forget. It was like, I, I would love to, I would be happy to. <laughs> if you sell $5,000 with a bees, I will give you head right now. And, and I would be delighted. <laughs> I pointed that out to my wife. I'm like, that's, that's like Jones, man. He should be in everything. Like he's so good in three Kings. Oh, oh, this was, this was the, I'm sorry. It came to me. Before we go, good, 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 can good. I make one a quick? Yeah, please, please, please. I think what you, I think another thing that 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 could be a detraction for this movie is something that we're seeing a lot with Oppenheimer. And I, I, I don't take a position. I, I mean, I guess I, I try to see, which is we don't see much of the victims. Yes. And you know, another movie that came out before this, Boiler Room, had some very great moments with the victims of, of the crimes, you know, the guy who's yeah. divorced and thrown out of his house. And it, some of the most impactful parts of the boiler room are the victims. But I think it's, um, it's Oppenheimer. It's the Wolf of Wall Street. It's a movie about the person. And we follow the trajectory of the person in a uniquely American story, you know, and what that means about the country and its flaws and you know we we can we know through multiple like Chris, Chris uh, Christina Kristen Milioti in the yeah. in this beautiful moment of like don't you feel bad about shouldn't you be selling this to rich people and he's like yeah but rich people don't buy this shit 
you know, yeah. it, 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 there is homage paid to, and, and she is wiped from the fucking board. Yeah. See that ya. character. And because she doesn't her- fit, she doesn't fit into his orchestration. The whole thing is Jordan orchestrating this kingly life that he's wanted to live for his entire time, like his entire, you know, his entire existence. And he just, anything that doesn't fit with the image of what he's like, that self-propagating image. And then he has all these sycophants who just hang around him, these little parasitic mates who love being in his orbit because they just get all the cast-offs and cut-offs and all it's the benefits. Cult. It's a cult. It's exactly what it's it a is. Cult. It's, a, it's, a, it's a capitalistic cult of greed. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And she says it to him at this point in the film that is perfect, which is, you are... I don't even recognize you. You are a different fucking person. Yes. And and because the earlier scene with her, when she's like, when he's looking at the newspaper and she's like, you're a stockbroker. You're not a stock boy. You know, yeah. it kind of reminded me of that Lauren Holly, you know, yeah. Captain Jack <laughs> from any given Sunday, but she's supportive. She's alive. She has heart and there is no room for a real person with humanity in this system and where he wants to go. So anyway, um, I, I don't know if that was just dumb or not, but no, let, let's great. go down no, the, no, the credits it, list. It was, it was, it was, it no, it was great. I, the, in this movie, there are so many amazing people. I want to go like in, we talked about John Bernthal. We mentioned Rob Reiner again, directors coming in and just having a fucking ball with Scorsese who they love, like actor directors, my favorite thing. Right, Rob Reiner is having the best time. Oh, jolly, jolly good, jolly good. Who the fuck? He's so, he's so good at introducing characters memorably too. <laughs> like the fucking equalizer getting a call after nine p.m. Flipping out is like it's such a good character intro, you know. It's the it's the best. But you know who is literally just sex on legs in this movie besides some of the more obvious characters that you would think joanna lumley's aunt emma oh oh yeah lee shit is she delicious and the internal monologue is like is he flirting with me is is she flirting with it's just so amazing i can't get enough of her every time i watch it i'm like i just like the movie stops me and i'm like oh horny aunt emma Bless her heart. I, I mean, the, the, that's the one like thing in this rewatch where, where where it cuts to her and she's like, is he hitting on me? I'm like, did you not just, like, am I a piece of shit? Because it really seemed like she was hitting on me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I need to check myself and not go outside of the house because that woman was fucking hitting on him so hard. You know what I mean? But I oh guess my not. God. I, I guess I would have misread that too. And then Shay Wiggum with the a little bit of chop uh, line was amazing. Oh, well, batting yeah. down the head. God, I love him so much. So good. I There's, love him. You just keep going down like PJ Byrne playing Rugrat, Kenneth Choi, Chester Ming. Unbelievable. God damn it. Him, him eat that scene where he's eating the donuts during the the FBI interrogation, the the schmuck bait he gives when he's like, oh, that one, uh, no, I don't remember. <laughs> like, and Rugrat, like the, the thing, he's amazing. But when they're doing the, and yeah. he's sticking his chin out, <laughs> the, you know, during the, uh, it's, the, the everyone is so free in their performance. I mean, I'm just. Ethan Suplee, great actor. Great. Great, great. actor so good he's great um i think what if we're talking about how it plays now it's kind of impossible to imagine just the life that movies live in meme form 
because like it used to be like movie quotes, but now in the age yeah. of the internet, this movie is memed to death in like the best possible way. And like Leo like gets it all the time. Like Leo becomes a meme in every new movie that he does. But yeah. I have seen, yeah. I reckon I have seen that I'm not fucking leaving meme for everything from like Australian rugby league to movies to like, this is, this is that one friend that you have, like when he really needs to go get an Uber home and he won't, I'm not fucking leave it. Like, and you're just <laughs> yeah. like, like, yeah, it's like, I have seen this movie memed in countless ways and I never get sick of it. Like that's how you know that like a full decade later, it is still in the culture because it is memed to death because there are so many quotable, memeable moments and like the meme of Leo, like the little gif of Leo, like crawling to the car and, you know, I'm not fucking leaving. The 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 one I use is throwing the the money. Fun coupons, one. fun coupons. That's one I use because it's... every meme you send from this movie <laughs> is like uh, sending a piece of mail with a touch of insanity into any text or tweet you're sending. It's like a floodgate of insane, you know. And it's so good. <laughs> it's it's and so like I was looking up some of the quotes. Ready? It's like like uh, I was looking at some of the quotes. And I'm like the quotes all just made me like a i've seen these memed before like and and when you were talking about like on a daily basis i consume enough drugs to sedate manhattan long island and queens for a month i take quaaludes 10 to 15 times a day for my back pain adderall to stay focused xanax to take the edge off pot to mellow me out cocaine to wake me back up again and morphine because well it's awesome it's like what 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 an insane thing max belfort jordan $430,000 $430,000 in one month, Geordie, huh? Their business expenses. Look at this, $26,000 for one fucking dinner. Dad, we had clients, Pfizer clients, champagne, the porterhouse from Argentina. Like, Jesus Christ, this movie is so quotable as well. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, and the one that was, um, the one that really hit me hard was McConaughey today, uh, McConaughey's speech, which like, is the whole thesis of the whole fucking movie, right? Yeah. It's it's the system and the ego and the cult-like. He's the first cult leader that we see. And it's when he's like, they love you because you're making them rich on paper. And you're we're taking cold, hard cash. It's all a crime. Yeah. The whole like, system is a crime. We're moving money from the client's pocket to your pocket yeah yeah but if we do good you know for both yeah. of us isn't that good no fuck them <laughs> yeah fuck them <laughs> the, the other thing that like i could i couldn't get enough yelling like no. the more yelling the, the more better. yelling and normally like you don't want to be yelled at in a movie like i couldn't this time i was like i could not get enough of the screaming and yelling i loved it i fucking loved it <laughs> he's so phenomenal like i think the for me the when i was watching this time i was like this is my favorite part is at his wedding when they're all dancing and he jumps in the middle and does that does fucking, the de- like the, the best dance work. ever i'm like how the fuck does he do that like he's so good man he's he is the guy he's the guy he's the king of the assholes yeah you know what i'm saying he's the king. but that's again that's another meme it's just a memed moment of Leo dancing. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just, yeah. this, this dance. I'm like, I've sent that to so many people. I was like, someone was like, oh, I loved your moves on the dance floor at that wedding last night. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Here's some footage I got. And I just send yeah. it off. You're like, yeah, that was me. It's so good. It's like every, it's everything. Like that's, it's, and how, I don't know. Like it's, it's such a, like an intoxicating madness and it's such a joyride to be on. And it's like, I think that some people miss that. Like, that's the point. The point is Scorsese is trying to intoxicate you because this is how people keep doing this. This is how the culture is rotten. It's because it's so fucking fun. Like you said, like with $350 in my pocket being a, you know, an identified cocaine addict, it's like, if you, if, if you had, 
you know, it's like the dining scene. You got paid. What does he say? He was like, I paid like seventy thousand dollars. Seventy thousand dollars last month. You got paid seventy seventy thousand dollars. He goes, you show me your paycheck for pay slip, and I quit my job and I come work for you. And like, he did. And he did. <laughs> and, and he, he did. did. And he did. It's like if you had that, it's like oh, I. If you've got any kind of impulse control issues, it's like. I don't know if my personality is the best for this. this thing. Oh, I mean, look, I, it's, it's, I, I don't know if they can, I mean, I come, maybe it's my age and just my kind of born with the privilege that I have, but like, I look at that and I'm like, oh yeah, this is, my drive to spin off into in uh, an oblivion of unaccountability to live yeah. solely for myself with the resources to do whatever I want is so strong and destructive. And you see that it's destructive in a lot of ways here, but I mean, that's the thing that I have to check in myself is like the fucking glee of, living vicariously through these fucking demons is what alights me you know what i mean and then at the at the end of the movie you're sitting there like man we left a lot on the table for my buddy you know who's also sober now and like has a life worth living finally you know and i'm just like god it's the difference of living only for yourself and having a life that you can look back on at the end and being like my life meant something. Yeah. And that is that, that, I mean, you're, you know what that is. It's like having uh, a positive impact on the people in your immediate universe of concern and the community at large. Yes. And this Jordan Belfort is the fucking opposite of that. Yeah, you he's know? The, he is a cancer. He's the most selfish human being maybe that has ever lived. And what Scorsese does is he humanizes him because he goes, look at how intoxicating his life is. And if you didn't have a moral compass or just morality, if you were a sociopath, it wouldn't matter to you that you were stealing hundreds of millions of dollars from many people and completely rotting systems and messing things up. It wouldn't matter. And, but and that's the and, thing is like no one's gonna self-reflect. Even... You're not gonna self-reflect at the end. Like that's the thing. He doesn't cheapen it with like self-reflection. He's like, I'm still selling you this fucking pen. He goes back to the beginning of the whole, you know, the whole grift. arm. Yeah. yeah. But but I'll go one step further, Blake. The system eradicates your uh you know, compass, your moral compass. Yeah, yeah it does. He has it in the conversation with McConaughey. He has it from his parents who are two accountants who take accountability for things. He has it with his first wife, you know? He knows what's right and wrong. And But upon the taste of unaccountability, he wipes all of that out and replaces it with Donny Azoff, Rugrat, Sea Otter, you know, Choi, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and and that's you, that's addiction. I mean, he says in the beginning, he was addicted to money, but like, it's all the same shit. It's filling the thing inside yourself. with something outside of yourself. And the one question that I ask on this project in particular, when I'm doing it is like, what is, you know, we talk about how it was received. We talk about, um, we talk about how it was received. We talk about those sorts of things and how it's evolved. But the big thing that I also like to talk about is like, what have we learned from this movie? Um, and I think the thing is that we've learned is that like, number one, Leo is the last big, like really true big movie star. And he's curated his career by working with exclusively the biggest directors in the world and like pushing Martin Scorsese into his eighties to like, please keep making movies because you're still the guy. Like as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't want to work. Fucking, I, 
I went to see Mission Impossible and the trailer, which was great, the trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon came on and I fucking cried. And my buddy next to me was like, what is wrong with you? John Barinholtz, son of a bitch. And I said, I think I'm going through something, but I cannot fucking wait for that movie, dude. <laughs> cannot wait. Uh, like that From trailer. Aviator to Killers of the Flower Moon, like give me to Shutter Island, even Gangs of New York, like Leo and Marty are perfect. That trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon. The Osage took their name from Missouri and Osage Rivers. Neukonska. Children of the Middle Waters. Move, said the Great White Father. There are many. So many hungry wolves. Can you find the wolves in this picture? picture i'm just like i i just got chills thinking about it i was like this is the best trailer i've ever seen it's absolutely unfathomably great it has all my favorite things in it it looks amazing like all the shots the slow motion the oil i'm like oh my god it's like it, this is like marty's chinatown and i'm like freaking out and i've watched it like 25 times the lesson is if you want to have the best career you know you really have to pick your collaborators very carefully who know and you can trust and you enrich each other's work and i'm just like there's a reason why leo got, d does like a tarantino movie and a scorsese movie and then the, some other movies he'll give he might give someone a chance who's emerging and then he's like no nah, that didn't work i'll go back to marty yeah I'm good. And even like, look, a movie, a Scorsese movie that I that I love, but I think is, you know, hasn't aged as well. Leo Leonardo DiCaprio is turned out to be the best part of The Departed. Yeah, you know, like he is not having fun in that movie, and it, it, I think as time goes by. But that's he a fun, I, I, lo I fucking love that. That movie's so fun. That movie is really fun. But he is, in all the actors that got all the plaudits for that, he is on another level in The Departed. Even Kill. Even Kill. Yeah. yeah. My heart rate is jacked. My hand it's steady. Everything that is exterior in Wolf of Wall Street is interior in The Departed. I mean... You're right. I, I love. Yeah. I just can't wait to watch him work every day. I just yeah. think he's phenomenal. And this movie in particular is the other thing. The one lesson we've learned is Martin Scorsese is probably now at this point, inarguably the greatest living American filmmaker and the energy that this 80 year old man can still elicit in a movie and a trailer it should be fucking enviable to emerging 20 year olds who like you, you watch shallow grave when it came out or you watch blood uh, simple and you're like, yes. Oh, where's the, Oh, look at this fucking energy. My heart rate is going out. And it's like, it shouldn't happen with like a 70 something year old filmmaker making the wolf of wall street. He shouldn't be able to make a movie that is this exciting, this bold, this crazy 
but he is just playing a different game. We're all playing checkers. He's playing chess. He's just special. He's just unbelievable. He's, he's, I mean, he's my favorite hands down. And like, it's, I like him and Hitchcock and those are my guys. And he, no matter where you go with Scorsese, no matter how fucked up or weird or normal or, you know, or not, it's recognizable humanity. Shutter Island, you, you live through his fear. Yeah. You live through his trauma. You understand, like, he's always showing you a life on earth and the music and how he, he just, he uses Scorsese elements. I mean, look, Thelma Schumacher, Schumacher. Yeah. Secret a fucking weapon. genius. Yeah, genius. Fuck, without her, I, I, don't, I don't know that we have the, the level but, but he's a monster assembling his ensemble, his crew, his community, and the product he, he gives out is entirely, I believe, life-affirming, even yeah. in its most violent, most depraved, most ridiculous, and drug-addicted, <laughs> and horrifying. Ultimately, what you're, what, you, what you're saying, Blake, I agree with 100%, which is like, Whenever I'm watching a Scorsese movie, I feel more alive and I want to live more. And I think that's a fucking gift, you know? Well, I can't top that. That's so beautiful. And it's a beautiful sentiment. And let me tell you right now, when fucking Killers of the Flower Moon comes out, we're just going to have to do a special episode where we just talk about it because my friend Maria, our our mutual friend Maria Lewis has fucking read the book. She's telling me you got to read the book before you go see the movie. I'm so excited for it. And we might just even play. You guys are just going to listen now. We're just going to, I'm going to play us out in this great episode of the Decade Project. After you've heard lots of Wolf of Wall Street drops and quotes and silliness, I'm just going to play you out. You can just listen to the audio experience of the Killers of the Flower Moon trailer because this is the gift of Martin Scorsese. 10 years later, he's still the best. He's still the king. Yeah, period. He is the fucking king. And the thing that made me the most sad was when I saw the thing that he said about I'm 80 years old and I'm running out of time to tell right, the stories right. I want to tell. It's just like gobble it up, Marty. Show get, us your opus. Get Play some, that music. get some fucking billionaires to give him some stem cells or something. Make this guy live into his nineties for God's sake, making movies. That's. And if Wolf of Wall Street is about anything else, it's about the fact that they will not fucking do that. They would never invest in art. All they would do is build up more bullshit books. You know what I mean? All right. Well, I'm got. I'm going to batten down the hatches with Shay Wiggum. I'm going to say thank you to Rob, <laughs> Rob Belushi. You're the best. This has been so fun, and uh, and people are going to catch us talking more on too much movies and all that sort of stuff. But you're the best. Thank you so much for doing this, man. You are, man. You're beautiful. Thank you for having me. And it feels like such a 20th century movie. It feels like something David Lean would have done or tried to do uh, when he still had that kind of currency. And even then he might not have succeeded. It's incredible. Cause like, if you, if you don't have time to watch all five seasons of Lost, you can just watch Fearless. <laughs> not a week goes by that I don't think of the ending of Gallipoli. It's left a mark, a uh, year of living dangerously. Uh, you know, and then something like Last Wave, even that's so uh, deeply embedded with the land and the story of the land, the story of the place. You know, I don't know that I'd seen very many movies at that point in my life that had such a down ending and they had such a you know sort of strong sense of folklore uh, 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 attached to it as that. And something always so poetic and lyrical about Peter Weir's work. Gallipoli was the first movie that ever traumatized me, and I don't think I ever really recovered from it. (laughs) And I'm still upset that they played it in school.
like I don't think it's actually possible to make an. They say it's not possible to make an anti-war movie, but I think Peter Weir pulled it off. Yes, because no one watches that movie then thinks I want to go to war. Uh, Peter Weir is the greatest director that Australia has ever produced, like bar none, hands down. Like no yeah. one else has even in the room. I think you have covered some really titanic filmmakers and some really titanic films so far. But I, I truly think what makes Peter Weir special and what makes you doing this one special is we don't talk about Peter Weir that way. And we should. Peter Weir is one of those guys who I don't get why he isn't a bigger name, why he isn't more in that rarefied air. Yes. Because I think film for film, he's one of our very best filmmakers. He has brought his A game repeatedly to <laughs> many properties. There are films of his that I hold very dear. Fearless, uh, you know, uh, the Mosquito Coast. I will fight somebody if they talk bad about the Mosquito Coast. It's, man, I love that movie. But in general, I just think he is a special filmmaker, a smart, lyrical, um, hallucinatory filmmaker. He's a very dreamy filmmaker, and I don't think he gets his due. You know, Master Commander is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, you know, it's easily one of the best movies of the last 20 years. It's... Uh, uh, you know, it's a grand scale. There's a historical backdrop to it, but at the same time, there's such an intimacy in the relationships. Uh, which I think is not just a great film and one of the last great epics in the truest sense. Um, I, I think is actually kind of a sliding doors change point moment in, in cinema history. I think 2003, when that comes along and it is a an old fashioned, you know, we don't make them like that anymore type film. I think if Master and Commander spawns a franchise at that point, the entire cinema landscape globally is completely different. That that's the movie that I wanted to see. Ten of those, you know. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I know they're big fans of Fast and Furious and everything. And God bless you. But Master and Commander <laughs> should have been. It's one of those things. Again, I I am not uh, I'm not a seafaring man, sir. <laughs> But there is a sense of authenticity. There's a sense of really watching a, a genuine dedication to recreating history unfold on a big screen in front of you that can't help but inspire just genuine admiration and awe. If you're gonna pick a film where he really brings every one of his skills to the table, it's Master and Commander. I think you picked the right one, man. Yeah, very excited to see what you, you, pull, you pull out of this, Blake. That's right, our next series is Peter Weir and Russell Crowe's Master and Commander. The series is called Podcaster and Commander. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co.